This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. So I put my um, iMac up for sale. Oh, right. Because I've sold some stuff, and I figure if I can get the amount that I want for my iMac, then that makes it okay. Yep. In that I'll have enough to reach the finish line, as it were, to get a MacBook Pro. So yeah, I, although I think I'm currently possibly being scammed by somebody. Oh, okay. Is that yeah. eBay? Uh, Gumtree. So someone messaged me at like three in the morning, which raised kind of alarm bells just in general, because like, who's looking at Gumtree at three in the morning? I know someone probably is, but yeah, probably quite slim odds that the person who wants to buy my thing is <laughs> browsing at three in the morning. Um, and, the, and the way they were writing, they just had like a really distinct style of writing. Um, calling me mate all the time, using the character you instead of the word you. Um, instead of saying because, they would say cause as in C-O-Z. Um, yeah. And they said, oh, can you email my partner who's interested in buying it? And they gave me an email address. I thought, well, that's odd. Why Why don't you just use the messenger built into Gumtree? But whatever, I'll send an email. Um, and I figure maybe they just wanted to get away from Gumtree just in case there's any like recourse because like the, yep. I, I could go to Gumtree and whinge and they'd be like, well, you kind of did your own deal outside of Gumtree. So bad luck kind of thing. Yep. Um, anyway, he emailed me back this afternoon being like, oh yeah, sorry mate, um, for not getting back to you sooner. Again, had all the same kind of mannerisms, almost like it was the same person writing it, claiming yep. to be another person, um, <laughs> saying, what's your PayPal email address and I'll send a courier. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. The only reason I say that is because in the past, when I've tried to sell Apple equipment on eBay, I got inundated with people saying, um, give us your PayPal email address, I'll send the money, and can you post it to, um, I think it was an address in Nigeria, and make sure you put gift on the on the uh, packaging. Right. And then I got a follow-up email saying, okay, the money's all good to go, but it's set to pending in paypal and i'll need the tracking number and when i enter the tracking number the money will clear and i know that's mm. how paypal doesn't work yeah it doesn't work like that so no. i suspect if i were to go along with the whole yeah sure here's my paypal email with this person on gumtree i imagine i'd get a similar kind of story yep um so i've just emailed back saying yeah i mean you can do a courier if you want i wouldn't really want to do a courier though i wanted to do kind of like an in-person sale if you want to do a courier, by all means, pay me in advance in full, and you know, I can put it on a courier if you send one. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're, um, I think you're right to have your alarm bells ringing, and I think I would suggest that you tell them that you've already got a buyer lined up locally. Somebody's coming around tonight, or something like that, and just kind of back away. Yeah, um, yeah, just like that gut instinct with with these things usually kind of bears out to be right. Yeah, something just didn't seem right. It's one of those things that if it turned out to be okay, you could be like, oh, well, I was being too like being too cautious, I suppose. But yeah, something tells me it, it doesn't smell right somehow. Yeah, no, that's, um, like I say, just, I've had it every, every single time. That I, again, every time I've sold Apple stuff on eBay, I would end up with people kind of jerking me around. I don't know whether um, I, I kind of told you some of that when we were, were leaving. And I was selling, I sold like an old MacBook Pro. I, I sold um, an old iPad as well. Yeah, anyway, the, the, the like every single thing I sold, and there were, as I remember, about four or five things that were of reasonable value. 
and every single one there was somebody doing something that was a bit off uh mm. the, one of the ones i got was the um sold the macbook and i got a message back sort of saying where is it i've not had it yet and i checked the the courier i checked it had been signed for and it had been signed for their signature at their address that day like an hour before they'd sent me that message <laughs> and i was just right. like uh are you sure because uh, cause I just sent them back the, the PDF with the um, the signature and just sort of said, uh, it's been signed for at your address. And they replied both, oh, oh, it, it was um, dropped at a neighbour's. I'm sorry. So what do you think they were trying to angle there for you to refund the money or something? Yep. Yep, exactly that. Oh, I've never had it and they've got it sat there with them. Mm. Uh, yeah, just trying it on. Yeah. And I, I think that, particular flavor of, of trying it on i had as i was selling stuff before we were leaving the uk i think i had about two or three times and every single time it was like well i've got your signature it's almost um, like you attract it with apple stuff for some reason it's like it's kind of like a high value target in a way for people to because i haven't yeah. had this trouble with any of my other stuff it's always been apple stuff where it this is this kind of behaviors sort of come out of the woodwork yeah that's that's true i mean what i, I sold um my old video mixer and that was worth what well, that that went for about three three hundred and fifty pounds. It's reasonable value there. Never got any of that hassle. You know, yeah. it just it went to somebody who knew what its purpose was, and they bought it for that, and that and that was it. Mm. Um, yeah, but you're right. Apple sort of attracts all the um, tire kickers. I think is the phrase. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of like an easy if, if you're thinking right. What can I try and scam someone out of? like an iphone an ipod they're like really well-known devices aren't they and loads of yep. people have them so kind of the numbers stack up in your favor as a scammer that you might get a good success rate well yeah and then the value of you selling it on is there as well yeah that's yeah, a shame but yeah we'll wait and see uh i'm not really in a rush to sell it um yeah and and in, in that case i'd definitely back out of this this one that's not sort of smelling right as a yeah, I mean, if, if 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 he wants to bank transfer me the money, that's fine, <laughs> and then I'll put it on. I'll put it on whatever van he sends. You know, um, bank but, transfer rather than PayPal because I think the recourse with PayPal is absolutely yeah, yeah, because the, the odds are stacked in their favour at that point. Yeah, I think PayPal always favour the seller, don't they? It seems not the seller, the buyer. Yeah, yeah, they do. They always favour yeah. the buyer. It's, it's um, I've had that happened before as well where i sold something again it was a laptop i think quite a while ago now um and, and it was when they just changed their policies to be sort of more buyer friendly right and they just they just refunded straight away and i had to sort of go through like this this um arbitration process with them and ebay really didn't want to know you know i had to push it and push it and push it and go look this is not right but got the courier message here and all of that you know did it work out for you in the end it worked out for me in the end but it was annoying because at the time this was on on my bank account uh which was separate from from our family account where where all of the my you know paycheck and everything was going and our bills go so that was good but what happened is is because there was not really a lot of money in that account mm. when they did that and i'd already taken the money that was given to me to pay for it and that money had gone elsewhere when they refunded the the buyer that slung that account into overdraft you got a charge 
yeah, I got a charge out of it. So even though I got, everything came good in the end, I was still like 10, 15 pounds worse off. I mean, I suppose as a buyer, it's quite good. Um, my brother-in-law had a, a Mavic drone, a DJI one. Yep. And he, he said, like, amazing products. They're absolutely amazing. But if you have to deal with their customer service, it is horrendous. He had such a hard time with them. In the end, he just said to the customer service guy, um, you know what? Um, I'm kind of fed up with you now. So I paid with PayPal. So I'm just going to get my money back. And all of a sudden, their attitude changed, like like hitting a light switch. They were you know, so helpful and friendly because they're like, no, 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 please don't do that. Please don't do that because basically PayPal will give you the money back. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> he was like, nah, sorry, I'll, I'll just um, have my money back and I'll just buy a brand new drone from you again via PayPal. And if this happens again, I'll get my money back again kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's good and it's bad, isn't it, In, in depending on what side of the fence you're on and whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, I suppose. Uh, speaking of, of GoVJ, I've been uh, putting a good bit of time in on that lately. Yeah? Yeah, so I, I spent um, a fair bit of time this weekend just getting a few things working with that. Um, it's quite it's quite interesting, actually, after all this time to sort of be revisiting the, the UI, um, kind of trying to sort of make things fresh and, and fix problems that I've had with it and, and bring in a few new features. And I sort of reached a bit of a point yesterday where I, I had to kind of take a step back and sort of go right okay I need to sit down and kind of design this properly because I'd reached mm. that kind of very um I think it's quite a typical developer trait certainly for your own projects to sort of go oh no no I know what that that needs to look like and to just go and build it and you end up in that loop in Xcode where you're just tweaking and building and tweaking and building and looking at it in the yep. simulator and tweaking. And then before you know it, seven hours has gone by and it's more or less this, at the same point as it was seven hours ago. Yep. Or you've you've hit um, a bit of a dead end and you yep. need to go and unpick everything that you've just done, which is, is part of where I ended up. I find the best thing for that is to just get into Affinity Designer or, or Sketch or something and just design in that and almost don't consider the hardships that your design is going to put on you as a developer. Yeah. Because sometimes you can design things, especially when you're within Xcode. I find I'm more susceptible to take an easy route because something's easier to code. And that almost yeah, ends much. up in, a, in like a worse design, but it's like, oh yeah, I'll just do this and then it's done. But if you sort of could bring yourself away from Xcode, go into a design package, and then you're kind of freed from all of that all of the constraints that Xcode brings, you can just design and design and design. And actually that will lead you to the right design, I think, a lot a lot more easily. Yeah, it's it's a different process. It, it really is. It's a very different process to the development, I think, um, the, the design side of things. And you're absolutely right. It's that sort of needing to, to take a step back, put yourself in the right frame of mind and kind of just start considering things as a designer rather than as, as a developer. Mm. Uh, but like I say, I think as uh, doing things solo, doing things indie, it, it's it's so easy to kind of just end up down that rabbit hole of just sort of like, nah, just going to keep coding into oblivion until this comes, comes right. Uh, and it never does. Not, not for me anyway. No, no, I think you're right. But uh, yeah, funnily enough, this, this was a situation where actually having the iPad and the pencil was ideal because I, I essentially part of how I started sorting this out was to take um, a screenshot of, the, of where things were to bring that in as an image into um, Affinity Photo, actually, 
and just start sketching on a layer over the top with the pencil and sort of go and write this, you know, rub this bit out there, move this there. And, and you know, it, it's absolutely a scribble rather than a design, but that helped me kind of get the layout and get things kind of figured out. Um, but also it got me away from Xcode, which I don't know, is this an advantage to the iPad not being able to run Xcode? It sounds like you're inventing reasons for that iPad to exist, Dave. To me, it really does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, poke, poke. No, I'm not not fully prepared to concede that. I really enjoy actually um, playing with it in that sort of sense. Um, and, and yeah, it's it's the right tool for me for that job. Oh, that's cool. If it works, it works, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, long, long story short, though, is that um, I've now landed on a design uh for that particular part of the app that i feel now works a lot better Mm -hmm. and and kind of taking that sort of um kind of taking that step away and looking at it uh, with fresh eyes again has really helped and i I had a situation where the um the control interface in the middle of the app it's got two uh two channels so you're mixing from a to b and I was trying to show both channels at the same time to, to the user, complete with controls for different bits and that sort of thing. And essentially, I sort of looked at it and thought, why am I trying to do this? This this was actually a problem that I didn't need to solve. Uh, and where I've landed now is that we I only show one channel in preview and you can swipe between the two. Right, um, okay. And it, and I implemented it yesterday, uh, did my typical kind of testing routine and gave it to my eldest kid. I asked him to have a play. And he just sort of sat there and he's like, why didn't you do this the first time round? <laughs> <laughs> if only then. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, that that was yeah, kind of an interesting exercise. I'm certainly feeling, feeling a lot more um, sort of fired up for it all anyway. So one of the reasons that I've not seen a new iPad Pro in the wild here is that there is no Apple store in New Zealand in the entire country. Uh, but you, however, Dave, you've got access just down the road or not too far away from you. And I think, you have you been down this weekend to check out the new iPads? Yeah, it's about an hour away. Um, so it's a bit of a trek, but we just decided we wanted a kind of a day out in the city. Um, so off we went. And... Um, yeah, I, I went initially thinking I'd look at the new MacBook Airs and the iPads um, and, and I'd kind of be in and out reasonably quickly, but I ended up spending ages in the store. Um, I kind of got sidetracked by the the new iPhones because um, I haven't actually seen those in the wild or you know in, in person yet at all. Um, so I wanted to look at a, a 10s Max and I think I can safely say that size will be my next phone. Um, it felt felt like exactly what I was after but that aside the thing that got me was um just because the the store was really crowded and there are people everywhere and the only kind of section of a bench that I could go up to were where the rose gold ones were okay and what struck me was it felt really grippy without a case on it I thought maybe it just felt more grippy because it was a bigger phone um, and it was easier for me to just kind of hang on to. So I picked up the just regular 10s in rose gold and that felt really grippy as well. Almost like maybe I don't need a case grippy. It felt like really quite good. I, I was surprised. 
um, I thought, oh, maybe this is like a new coating they've applied on on the 10s. So I, I went over to the stainless steel one, which is basically what I have in the 10. And no, it still felt kind of slippy, which I just thought was really interesting. So I then went over to the space gray ones, and sure enough, yep. kind of felt grippy again. So, so it's the coating. I guess so. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it was. I don't know what it was, but the the space gray one didn't feel as grippy to me as the rose gold but it felt right. grippier than the stainless steel i just yeah it's just like an interesting thing i just totally didn't expect and i think honestly i might go for a space gray next time just on that basis on the fact that maybe i could use it caseless he says even though i'll probably buy a case anyway but <laughs> yeah that was just like one random little thing i i, I just didn't didn't expect um i'm not sure i would have pegged the rose gold as being the the least slippy either well no i didn't even expect any of them to feel any more or less slippy than any of the others but it it was just like this noticeable kind of tackiness grippiness kind of yeah almost like it had been sprayed with some kind of resin that was grippy um it must be some something to do with the the process and how it's manufactured i guess but yeah just an interesting little takeaway that i I didn't even really know was a thing um i mean it could of course have just been that like yeah, like a, a person with really sticky hands was using it before me. <laughs> it might have been just that, but I don't think it was because I, I did try another rose gold one that was elsewhere in the store. I thought possibly of interest to you was that I got a chance to try it at a 10R. Um, yeah. I, 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 have you seen one yet in person? Um, very, very briefly played with one in, in a store here, actually, in one of the phone stores. Mm, I was quite impressed. I, I don't know how you came away from it feeling because I know you're possibly on the fence about one. Yeah, so it's actually seeing it in person kind of, and it was very, very brief, um, but but playing with, with the 10R in person kind of helped me sort of realise, yeah, this probably is the phone for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that my immediate kind of on-the-spot takeaway was that side-by-side with the, uh, the, the 10S or the 10S Max even, you can kind of tell the difference. You know, you can see the difference with the, the OLED and and the thickness kind of becomes apparent like the 10r is a little thicker yeah um but day to day i won't feel that difference and actually i didn't feel like it was enough to really kind of dissuade me away from the 10r so i don't know what your immediate opinion was on the spot dave but for me it looks quite capable yeah yeah very much the same the whole 2x versus 3x thing um I honestly couldn't tell you there was any difference. It looked like a great quality retina screen that you would come to expect from Apple. Um, yep. I loaded up YouTube and played a video in landscape mode because I wanted to see the letterboxed, uh, you know, how it letterboxes. So you got like the black bars left and right because on the 10, the notch more or less fades away unless you get it under exactly the right light where you can just see like the, the you know, the, the plastic of the notch, I guess, or whatever it's made of that kind of just shows a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you could kind of see the the kind of inky blueness of the LCD very, very, very faintly, but it would be enough for me that I think I would be like, that's, that's fine. I can totally live with that. Um, but yeah, I thought overall it was a really solid phone. I didn't really get the colours though. I've got to be honest with you. I thought the blue looked, yeah, not something I would get. The yellow definitely wouldn't get that. The coral right. to me just looked pink. It reminded me very much of um, Heather had a pink iPhone 5C and it looks very, very much like that to me. Could have been the lighting in the store. Yeah, I guess I'd probably end up with a white one 
or possibly a black one, or possibly product red. Did you see the product red there, actually? Yeah. It was, okay, so it was the, the kind of metallic finish? Um, on the aluminium, but then on the back, it kind of looked very glossy, because obviously it's a glass back. Yeah. Um, very much like a blood red as well, you know, very deep red, um, which I thought looked really well, the way it contrasted off of the, the black uh, screen sort of uh, bezel. I thought that looked really cool. Yeah, much like the iPhone eight did last year in that sense, because when we went from the white face to the black face on the on the product red, uh, but I thought that was a big improvement. Um, That's interesting to hear because yeah, the um, the product red iPhone eight looked quite appealing to me. You know, if I, I it, in terms of like picking one up at the time being on the seven, it didn't feel like the the right sort of upgrade for me, which is why I'm still looking for a phone now. Uh, but if I if it had caught me, you know, at the right time. Yeah, I'd have been quite happy for that. Yeah, yeah. Friend down so. the road's got the uh, the eight product red, and it it does look good. And you know, the ten R is no exception. But yeah, maybe I would possibly think about putting that into play. I think the more I think about it now, sat here thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else did I see? The MacBook Air. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I don't really get it to a point. Okay, because it was, it was right next to a. They had the twelve inch MacBook. Um, then they had the MacBook Air, and then next to the, the other side of the MacBook Air, they had the 13-inch Escape. And I'm kind of looking at the Escape and looking back at the Air, thinking, why would I buy the Air, other than the fact it's tapered? And it has Touch ID, I suppose that's one thing. But yeah, it's one of those where, for me, I guess I care a lot about performance, so I think I'm naturally going to lean towards like a 13-inch Escape if I were in that position. Um but I, I think the Air is probably the right computer for like 90% of the people out there that are looking to buy it. Yeah. Um, it was interesting actually because I kind of just stood back and did a bit of people watching. There was one customer that was kind of had that same dilemma that I, I did. And they were like, I don't, I don't get it. Because I don't think they were aware even that the MacBook Air was that new because I, I was listening to the, the retail employee kind of emphasizing, oh, this is the new one. It only came out like last week. And they were like, oh, okay. But what, why is it different to that one again? Pointing at the, the Pro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And in the end, they were like, well, I think I want more power. And this one's really small anyway. Again, pointing at the Pro, it's just yeah. kind of not tapered to a wedge, but it is really quite small anyway. Uh, so they went with that. And, you know, the retail employee was like, yeah, that's a good decision. It's a good laptop. They're very, like, not pushy, which I like. Um, yeah. But then the next person sort of came over and they were totally in love with the air. They were like, oh, wow, look how thin it is. Look how cute it is. <laughs> and, and it's almost like it's the fashionable option in a way. Yeah. And, and I think, like, Again, it kind of comes down to what you want, what what your your needs are, you know. Like with the um, with the thirteen inch MacBook Pros now being quad core as well, right? That that, that kind of helps delineate them from the air, you know. That that uh, sort of power power part well, is there. The Escape didn't get an upgrade, did it? So I think that's still stuck at dual. Ah, yes, yes, it is that's been kind of left out in the cold, which is why I'm surprised they didn't just discontinue it to kind of alleviate this confusion that some customers are having. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just seems it causes more, a lot of confusion, I think on the product on the, on the shop floor. Uh, yeah. Because what do you really gain at that point? I mean, the process is still a little bit higher in terms of like clock speed, right? Yeah. And it's a higher wattage uh, CPU. I think it's a 15 watt CPU and the one in the air is a seven and the one in the 12 inch MacBook is a five. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the escape is infinitely more powerful. I would, well, not infinitely, but you know, a lot more powerful. 
and I guess it doesn't have the third gen butterfly keyboard system that the Air does, and it doesn't have Touch ID, and it's not shaped in a wedge. But right, so that is quite confusing. Yeah, at the MacBook Air's thickest point, it wasn't an awful lot thinner than the MacBook Pro. It just the MacBook Pro just stays that thickness all the way along and doesn't go to a wedge. Yeah. So yeah, massively confusing. And you could see the customers were just like, what? Hang on. Um, I need to think about this. And it's just kind of, yeah, it seems like it's doing more harm than good in just confusing people. Yeah. Um, but I guess that, there must be a reason it's still there, surely. It's a bit bit odd that they've got them out side by side. That sounds like a, a kind of bad setup in, in the store itself. You yeah. know, like to actually sort of split the sections a little bit or lay them out slightly differently might not have been the worst idea there. Like, I guess I can kind of see, I can see the, the, the placing of each one. It's just that when you compare them against each other, it's, it starts to get a bit weird. Like the edges between the, um, between the different devices, uh, as you sort of go from the, the air, like you say to, to the, the escape, mm-hmm. as it were, that, that kind of like mid ground is, is really odd at the moment. It sort of feels yeah. to me like, um, it feels to me like the escape doesn't quite make sense, actually, versus the um, versus the air in some ways. Uh, it kind of surprises me that they've sort of left that in the arrangement, and I still feel like the the, the twelve inch MacBook just doesn't make that much sense now as well in some ways. Yeah, it's like the air could just do it all in a way. Yeah, because yeah. the air is yeah with, with its tapered design, um, it is pretty damn small and they've reduced the footprint of it compared to the old air that it's replacing because of the bezels have shrunk and things like that yeah so it's not too far removed from the 12 inch really i struggle to think of a situation where if you had a macbook air you would think oh damn it i wish i got that 12 inch version because now i'm really tight for space or something because i'm sure like if you're on an airplane or a train you could just use a macbook air in the same way you could use a 12 inch macbook pretty much Uh, or if if you need to and not sort of like you know developery or whatever you might be able to get with away with just having an ipad at that point like you know in terms of like a just a go-to um travel computer yeah i don't know i I just sort of think like in terms of the mac lineup they could have cancelled the the 12 inch um could have cancelled the um escape and that would left the air kind of in its own class quite distinct then i think not only that, though, in terms of like what the twelve inch does versus the the thirteen inch Air, they could have brought back the eleven inch MacBook Airs. Like, maybe not now, but maybe in six months' time or something, give it another boost to to the lineup. Yeah, see, to me, the the twelve inch MacBook is kind of the replacement for the eleven inch Air in that it kind of almost did what the eleven inch iPad's done with the ten point five in that it's kept the similar physical dimensions and the same footprint but the screen just got a bit bigger from 11 to 12 mm. um i suppose it it still has its place if if you really 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 do value portability then that is definitely the machine for you it doesn't um, occupy the same uh pricing point as the 11 inch air used to <laughs> no, no that's true <laughs> yeah that is true I, I wonder whether they're just kind of keeping it around and maybe that would be the first machine to go arm when the time's right see that that would make sense um, as, as a kind of candidate for it and mm. i mean by that time i think if you sort of flash forwards another 
at least another 18 months it feels like the sort of 2020 kind of rumor that's been there you know our max by, by 2020 at that point you know it could make sense that the the current macbook airs just haven't really been updated until we sort of see that device you know so they're kind of outgoing at that point in terms of like the specs and that sort of stuff um and then yeah sweeping in with a a 12 inch macbook that is on arm um could could kind of make a lot of sense at that point unless we just have our minds blown and the new mac pro is based on arm <laughs> there's always there's always that potential for something crazy yeah well i mean yeah let's let's look let's look at it i mean if they're building a modular mac pro didn't really ought to take this long did it it's kind of just like a tower <laughs> uh, they're just going to use intel parts and might yeah. explain kind of why it's it was a long time ago that they announced it around that round table and they were obviously at work prior to that it's, it's gonna turn out to be like nearly two years by the time they're done right uh yeah i mean if they announce it at say dub dub it's over two and, years since they and announced it, come, it was and, gonna and, happen and then they say oh it'll be out this fall or something which probably means december the 10th or something yeah that's getting on for three years it's kind of like two and three quarter years yeah and plus the time they've been working on it before they sat down to talk about it with the press um that was like april time wasn't it it was 17 yeah yeah i I don't know it's maybe apple just you know taking their time and doing it the kind of the apple way using intel parts and you know graphics cards are kind of relatively off the shelf and yeah it just doesn't make sense to me in a a lot of ways It, it would kind of makes yeah. sense if they did come out and say yep the mac pro is now on arm uh, there's an argument to be made for going arm with the new mac pro in terms of like it's a flagship and the mac pro has always been a flagship right if you sort of think back to like the the cheese grater design it was the iconic you know best mac you could get um and they tried with the trash can and, and that missed uh, but there's there's an argument to be made of going all in on arm for the mac pro because it's going to get that focus and it kind of proves well you know our chips are capable of doing this level of processing because our chips are just so awesome and yeah um it, it would then put it at an end of the scale where you know not everybody is getting these machines because the Mac Pro, by definition, is not a machine for sort of everybody to just use day to day. You've kind of got to have a purpose for it. Mm-hmm. So that then kind of makes it aspirational. It makes it this sort of top of the class kind of, you know, it's the sports car kind of Mac. So there's an argument to be made that, that putting the chips in there first kind of really proves the point of what the chips are capable of. Yeah, I mean, if it's good enough for the Mac Pro, it's good enough for a 15-inch MacBook Pro exactly yeah there's another argument to be made that the opposite is true as well like to go in with the the 12 inch macbook yeah on chips kind of like proves that you know it's kind of the safest place to to bear it out because that's probably the the machine that's closest to what they're being used for today in in ipads and everything else it's going to be so interesting to watch it unfold isn't it yeah, yeah, very much so. And and I mean what they might be able to realise by, by sort of having a an arm chip in the twelve inch is that they may be able to get that, that pricing down and to unleash um sort of better uh battery usage and, and that sort of stuff as well. So 
the sort of benefits to being at either end of the scale. I, I kind of hope we see it in the Mac Pro first. <laughs> just out of complete selfishness of wanting to see what on earth it looks like at that scale yeah i suppose they've got to tread carefully because they've already annoyed the pro community once they probably don't want to do it again it might be worth them just putting a xeon chip in it and being super <laughs> safe <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but i mean if they if they truly cared about that they would have released um released another cheese grater and just called it the map pro se or something and, and kind of moved on yeah. So mm. may, maybe they'll surprise us. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to next year in, in that sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's gonna be did so you cool. see any of the new Mac minis in your trip to the store? Well, I did. I mean, I used it, but frankly, it's like, yeah, it could have been any Mac that was connected to that monitor. I mean, I was just clicking around in Safari. <laughs> was, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I saw it. It was there on the desk. It looked very nice. Um, hooked up to an LG display, which looked a bit weird, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> That's kind of all I've got to say about that, really. Um, no, because because I kind of I, I kind of feel like the Mac Mini. There's something there for Apple to to test over the next few months in terms of what that takes from the potential market for the Mac Pro, which is a really weird statement to make. You couldn't have said that about the Mac Mini a while ago, but I sort of feel like um, I think a lot of devs are eyeing up the Mac Mini now because it being a reasonably capable you know xcode machine like we were we were discussing the other week about the benchmarks that were coming through yeah uh so i I don't know i don't know whether there's going to be a sense of them kind of taking stock you can imagine over the next sort of two or three months and kind of seeing what the sales figures look like and and market research and that sort of stuff because i think that might actually tweak some of the uh the pitch for the Mac Pro as well, kind of in terms of where that sits in their lineup and, and what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, uh, I mean, to me, it seems like the machine that will get you most of the way there to a Pro, but not all of the way. And then obviously the new Pro will hopefully sort of take you even further than what you currently can today. I mean, I was watching Marco Arment's video review of the Mac Mini, and he was saying that he got the 6-core i7, I think. And yep. he was showing build times on the Mac Mini for Overcast versus what it takes on his 10-core iMac Pro. And there wasn't a huge amount in it. Yep. There really wasn't much in it. Um, I, what's the 10-core iMac? I mean, it's like six or £7,000, I think. Possibly even more, I'm not sure. But compare and contrast it to a Mac Mini that's sort of in the £2,000 range. It's a, it's a big difference. And if you're on a budget and you need a lot of performance, um, but you don't need necessarily all of the performance, I think that's kind of what the Mac Mini's occupying quite well at the minute. Yeah, um, for the right price. But no, yeah, there's basically no one around it. But at the Apple <laughs> store, it was just kind of there in the corner. No one really cared. Everyone was crowded around the iPad table. But they only had four of them on display, so it was really quite hard to get to one. But I finally, finally sort of managed to wedge my way in there. And, you know, I, I think I gave the iPad a bit of a hard time last week. I'm thinking about that a bit. Maybe I was a bit too, a bit too hard. <laughs> but um, I still maintain that, you know, I'm sure these iPads are really great. They're just not really great for me. I think the way I... The level at which I use an iPad, the 9.7 regular iPad is 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 quite enough. But you know, for someone else that gets more from it, great. I'm glad this ex- exists, and I hope it you know, can only get better because I would like to use it. I would like to like it. Um, I just feel that I can't right now. But for those that can, sort of, you know, good for you. Um, but yeah, that uh, the keyboard case, the folio case. Yeah, I did not like that at all. No, I'm not keen. 
really did not like it. I was expecting, because I, I spent a lot of time with the MacBooks, um, in particular the MacBook Pro, obviously I'm considering one, so I wanted to make sure that I could kind of live with the, the butterfly keyboard. And I was like, yep, that's fine. I don't mind it at all, really. Um, and I kind of consider myself kind of a bit like keyboard agnostic in a way. I don't really don't really mind what I use. I soon get used to it. But wow, I, there was just a really strong feeling of not liking that keyboard case. Um, it kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of felt like I was using boxing gloves a little bit to try and type it. Um, it was really quite yeah. difficult. The keys were tiny. I was making errors everywhere. Um, and I just really kept, I just really wanted a touchpad. I kept going for the touchpad. And then I was like, oh no, wait, I have to like prod at the screen that's like at this vertical surface. And there's quite a lot of wobble um, yes. in the case. And I noticed again, Marco Armand did a review and he he pointed out that these new ones wobble quite a bit when you tap the screen and the old ones didn't. All right, uh, okay. So a bit of a backwards move there. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of it might be muscle memory for me, but I just felt like really, like I just couldn't, couldn't get on with it. You know, I was listening to an episode of the talk show that just came out. Um, Merlin Mann, I think, described it like typing on the side of a tent. <laughs> and, and Gruber said it was like typing on Smarties or, or M&Ms or something. And bit, yeah. I mean, with the older ones, when I played with, with those um, a while back now, obviously, I I just felt like the, the design of those keys, um, yeah, versus the MacBooks, and that side of things like when you've got them side by side again it's just sort of like oh god no i, I really couldn't on a day-to-day basis i'd think that would irritate me as well you know i think like the keyboard itself it's very much more um if i was really trying to travel light and i didn't have to do a lot of work on it then that keyboard would be acceptable you know it's kind of for that moment where all oh, right okay i do have to sit down and get an email out or something but not when i'm going to spend all day in front of it yeah yeah i i don't know it's like it was tempting me luring me in being like come on i can be like a laptop replacement and then the absence of a touchpad and the way the keyboard performed it just annoyed me on every level really it, it, i really, <laughs> really didn't like it um although i did like the pencil you know big thumbs up on the pencil i thought that was great i like the previous pencil this pencil's no exception yeah um and i think for me that would almost be my route into the ipad is kind of via the pencil. If the pencil could help me in some way with what I do, be, you know, maybe like app design or custom illustrations to help promote my apps in terms of like marketing images when they're done, um, you know, that kind of thing. I could kind of see it potentially being an option. Um, I don't think the kind of narrative of the iPad can kind of be like a laptop because now it's got this keyboard thing. That doesn't, doesn't wash with me at all. But I think the pencil, that could persuade me in um so over time as like you know we see photoshop's going to be coming out and other things and that that could be where it where it starts to make some sense for me um but yeah right now i've kind of just gotta just take a step back and be like this just isn't the device for me sadly because they're lovely devices like they're, they're really nice um couldn't deny it beautiful pieces of hardware but yeah it's just a little bit sad that for me right now it's not right but if you are in in the market for one this is obviously a brilliant ipad as i as i look around at the ipad that i've got sat on my desk which is last year's 10 and a half inch model i put the pencil on the edge of the device because there's a spot where the the smart covers magnets let me kind of pin it there right um so when i saw that the new ipad has got 
proper setup for doing that. You know, it's got magnets all the way around the edge and then you've got wireless charging there as well. It's kind of funny because I sort of look at how I'm using mine and it makes total sense. You know, there's an element there for me that looks at it and goes, it's that kind of feeling of like, oh, yeah, that why why didn't they do that before? You know, because mm. the problem you've got when you've got a pencil just sort of hanging loose is, well, where do I put it? And, and it rolls around in your bag or the, you put it in a case and then you've got to get it out to use it. So, yeah, I think they've probably nailed something there in terms of like, how the pencil's supposed to like travel with the ipad itself it does feel like the pencil could almost for me define the ipad pro yeah um it's almost like yeah the whole keyboard thing it's almost like this huge set of compromises that i feel doesn't really make a better solution than what already exists in the form of a laptop but when you introduce the pencil that's almost like the ipad being true to itself and kind of allowing itself to really shine for what it is versus trying to kind of shoehorn itself into kind of the role of a laptop. And yeah, I mean, I, I would happily, if, if I had the money, I, w- I would happily have one on like here on my desk and be using it to design stuff and draw stuff. Um, I think it could be huge. I'm, that's where I'm going to be looking. So as the iPad evolves, I'm going to be kind of looking at it through the lens of, okay, what can I do with the pencil? And when yep. there's enough kind of ticks in the boxes that makes it like a good value proposition for me, I think that's probably when I'll, when I'll jump in. And obviously you get the side benefits, all the other stuff the iPad can do. But, you know, right now, all those other bits are quite adequately served for me through, you know, the 9.7. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button, that will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at davenot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore davenot. 